0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Full Court Press has the latest news and opinions from men's and women's college basketball. Our hosts are John Fanta, who calls games all around the country for Fox Sports and others, and Kim Adams, an analyst for Fox and
1: ESPN, and a former D1 baller who never saw a three-point opportunity she didn't like. If you don't believe me, check her Twitter page. Take it away, guys.
2: Welcome to the premiere of Full Core Press with Fanta and Adams here on Pure Hoops Media. This is that moment where you're at the steakhouse and the waiter's coming up and he's got that New York strip in his hands. This is that moment when you're walking into the arena on Thursday of the NCAA tournament. That's the kind of excitement we've got on this show coming up today and we're kicking it off with a bang. Louisville head coach Chris Mack joined us to talk about how his team continues to get better.
1: You know, the early reveal a year ago uh, had us as a number four seed, I believe. And, uh, you know, we didn't end the season very well and ended up a seven seed. And, and so my point to our team was there's a lot of basketball to be played between now and when that time comes. And uh, for us to worry about it uh, or to project, um you know, it's really a waste of time at this point.
2: Plus, the NCAA Selection Committee unveiled the top 16 seeds at the moment this past weekend. Kim and I will discuss. To say that there's not a great team, that, that's, that to me is an insult against Baylor. If Baylor right now ran out onto the court and put on and had Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky across their chest, we'd be talking about them in a different light. Plus, it's the debut of Buzzer Beaters. Kim gives you the tour guide for a state that's rooted in basketball.
0: If you like tacos, this was a place to go. You could create your own taco, different shells, different toppings, different meat choices, different sauces, pretty much anything you wanted.
2: It's Full Core Press with Fanta and Adams in the heart of February. I'm John Fanta, joined by my colleague Kim Adams. We are on Fox Sports throughout the college hoop season Primarily calling a lot of women's hoops, also covering the men's game and have had a lot to do with the Big East Digital Network throughout the recent years. So it's great to be joining up with a teammate off the court. I could not live on the court with Kim Adams. She's got too good of a jumper and too good of a skill set for me. But Kim, we are ready to rock and roll.
0: We are, John, and you're a work in progress. I'm still working with getting you where you need to be on the court but you've shown you've shown leaps and bounds but yeah i'm excited for me college basketball is kind of in my dna it's it's been a part of my whole life both of my parents played at the division one level really where i started to love the game my dad was an ncaa division one men's official for 25 years just retiring recently so I grew up going to his games. He was doing the classic Big East showdowns. He did 10 NCAA tournaments. So that's really where my love of the game developed. Um, And then I went on to play myself at Penn and now obviously covering it as my career. So for me, it's really been college basketball through and through. Excited to be on with you. We've had a couple great years. And now we'll have a platform to be able to expand on some of our thoughts because We're obviously both so passionate about the game, and we're going to have a lot to talk about, John.
2: Some have Mike Pereira. Some have Gene Steratore. We have big game Bob Adams, if we ever need an official to come on Full Court Press and give us the expertise. Well, for me, I grew up on the west side of Cleveland, avid Cleveland sports fan, did my undergrad at Seton Hall University, and that's where in New Jersey right in the Northeast where you're about 10 miles away from Madison Square Garden. I fell in love with College Hoops, covering it now for the Big East digital side as well as for Fox Sports. Played a little bit uh, in, in grade school and high school, presented a, a jump shot. Uh, that jump shot still has, it, it's, it's still, there's still something there. Needs some more training with Kim, uh, but I'm best suited in press row.
0: Uh, I don't know. I've seen some highlight tapes of you at, at the <laughs> Seton Hall intramural games at the Rock. You had a, some really tough takes to the drive, some some spin moves, I recall. So I wouldn't sell yourself too short. Yes. I That's right.
2: I just I just need you to grow my ball handling a little bit. I know that our producer, Mike Lieber, can help me with my corner pocket. So I, I think that there's something there, but it, it's it's about building the game.
0: No doubt. And what a season for us to be kicking this off, John, really both sides, men's and women's, maybe the greatest level of parity we have seen. I mean, the number one ranking on the men's side has pretty much been a revolving door, maybe aside from the last few weeks when Baylor has been at the top now for a while. And then on the women's side, two of the most dominant teams from recent years, Notre Dame is unranked. UConn, three non-conference losses. And There's some teams that are vying for some Final Four spots that have never been there or typically aren't there. So I don't think we could be launching this at much of a more exciting time.
2: No, and we'll try to lend some clarity to the parity. There's so many candidates out there to win a national championship this season, and it's fitting to kick off with a guest who, we've been talking about how there's really no definition of a great team. Well, this program in Louisville, has won their last 10 games. They're one of the hottest teams in America and now in the top five. And we were joined by their head coach, Chris Mack. His Louisville Cardinals are 21 and 3, ranked fifth in the country, and they have won 10 in a row. It is the Cardinals head coach, Chris Mack, who joins Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams. And coach, thanks so much for joining us. Just starting off here, what's the biggest difference with this Louisville team right now winning 10 straight games? from the one that was playing at the end of December?
1: Well, I just think that, um, you know, throughout that time, our team has, you know, improved. I think we've gotten better. Um, You know, we have a lot of veterans uh, on our team. Might be one of the most unique teams in college basketball to have four fifth-year transfers, uh, fifth-year players, I should say. Not all of them have transferred. Um, But that experience level helps. Guys have been through the ups and downs, and uh, our team has steadily improved. I also think that, Um, You know, the emergence of David Johnson uh, has certainly helped. He's uh, arguably the best playmaker on our team and a guy that uh, I think is getting better by the day. And, uh, you know, it took a little while for our team to, um, you know, sort of resemble the roster that we thought we would have uh, when we started the year. You know, both David uh, Johnson and Malik Williams did not start the season and and really didn't get going until about the middle of December. So, uh, you know, we've been healthy and uh, we've continued to improve.
2: Uh, obviously, point guard play, coach, was a question early in the season. Uh, but for David to come off a shoulder surgery and in his first season play this kind of role for you and your program, really coming on as of late, what's it say about his ability?
1: Well, we knew David had a lot of ability. I mean, he was, uh, you know, certainly uh, opening a lot of eyes over the summer uh, within our coaching staff and his teammates. And then unfortunately, he went down with a torn labrum and uh, missed really all of the preseason and all those practices that you get in October and November. Uh, he's on a bike and uh, not able to participate, not even really able to keep in great shape or get stronger like most freshmen have to do uh, simply because he wasn't allowed. And I think as he's gotten his feet under him and he's gotten uh, more experience you know, on the floor and some of that is is negative experience, you know, whether it's a turnover or a blown defensive assignment. I just think that, you know, you're a culmination of all your experiences, you grow from them. And, you know, at six foot four, six foot five, uh, the athlete that he is and his ability to pass, uh, he just, he's really, really coming along and he he changes our team dynamic when he's on the floor.
0: And coach, you talked about your roster really coming together and Something that stands out is the depth of this team. You really have nine players playing significant minutes in conference play and can have different players stepping up to score. How has that depth evolved throughout the season throughout conference play and how has that been a factor in your success?
1: Yeah, it's been a, it's been a huge factor, Kim, and you know, not just the depth that I think everybody sees on game night, um but we have 13 scholarship players. Uh, Our freshmen that aren't playing are doing a terrific job in practice of coming, you know, with the same energy and the same attitude and effort uh, each and every day in practice. And and coaches will tell you around the country, that's not always easy. You know, when guys don't play as much, uh, it's a lot easier to come to practice and feel sorry for yourself rather than try to get better. And uh, because of that, our practices have been competitive all year long. Um, You know, we have been uh, able to sort of get contributions from different guys on different nights. And I think the acceptance of that uh, when it's not our night, you know, when it's not my night, maybe individually, and it's somebody else's, there's a genuine happiness and, and uh, a spirit of togetherness with our team where one teammate's happy for the next guy when, when it is his time to uh, maybe make more of a contribution uh, statistically. So uh, it's been a fun group to coach, and, and our depth has certainly play, played a big part in our success.
2: Louisville head coach Chris Mack is our guest, and Chris <clears> – <throat> When you coming into this season, just how talented of a player Jordan was for you. Tell us something that nobody knows about Jordan.
1: Wow. I don't know if there's uh you know, when you become a national player of the year type candidate, they do a lot of stories on you. So I don't know if there are a lot of secrets, but um, I would tell you that, that Jordan's the only um, sibling in the family that's a boy. You know, he's got three sisters. And uh, they're all going to be good good uh, basketball players. Uh, his oldest sister is a freshman at Georgia Tech, so uh, basketball runs deep in the family. but you know, Jordan's been raised by three sisters.
0: <laughs> uh, Coach, you mentioned he has three sisters there. We know you have a couple girls in your family. Uh, I think it's it's known that Christy was the real hooper in the marriage. <laughs> Uh, I think the facts are out there on that one. But you have three kids, two girls, Lainey and Haley. And I know John and I used to see him coming to Big East media days. And it's been really special to uh, see that relationship evolve. Um, And I know they're both basketball players now. Just what has that been like to see your girls grow that passion for the game and to share that bond with them?
1: It's really fun to watch, you know, both uh both Christy and I had our careers. And so we're we're more than content to sort of see how our our kids um you know pick up the different sports they play. You know, they're both involved in basketball, uh, not so much on the AU level but with their grade school and now high school for my oldest um you know high school team and then they both play club volleyball as well. So it's uh it's a tough balance. You know, not many kids continue to play basketball and volleyball in high school uh, with the amount of traveling and the amount of practice time that they have, but uh, it's been fun to sort of watch their progression, you know, and, and I think every athlete, you know, goes through periods of time where, you know, maybe there's self-doubt, they figure out how to uh, get better at a certain skill, uh, they work with their coaches, and uh, so it's it's been fun to watch their um, young, young careers uh, start.
2: Coach, second season now at Louisville and coming over after a great run with the Xavier Musketeers. I'm curious, what's the biggest difference in the Big East and now the ACC?
1: Well, I mean, it, I don't think there's a huge difference, John. Uh, I would be lying if I said that. The uh, One of the big differences, though, is just you know having 10 teams in your league as opposed to now we have 15 teams. And, you know, I think there was, um, you know, obviously you had a true round-robin format in league play in the Big East. So, you know, Villanova or Seton Hall could never say, well, Xavier didn't play, you know, at Providence. And and that sort of happens, you know, in our league with only, with with 15 teams and now a 20-game league schedule. Uh, It just seems like the league goes on forever, but you don't see every team home and away, uh, nor do your opponents. So, uh, it's very, very interesting. I think the basketball on both leagues is extremely high level and there's a commitment level uh, really throughout both leagues um, that's really unmatched.
0: Coach, you're riding this 10-game win streak. You see the NCAA doing their little bracket reveal the other day. Just as a coach with your players, how do you manage that balance of Maintaining the importance of winning games, um, but just mentally staying relaxed and not not letting that pressure really build up on them too much.
1: Yeah, I know it's sort of coach speak, but we we just worry about who who we play next. uh, What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? You know, I I talked to our team uh, before practice the other day and, you know, the early reveal a year ago uh, had us as a number four seed, I believe. And, uh, you know, we didn't end the season very well and ended up a seven seed. And so my point to our team was there's a lot of basketball to be played between now and when that time comes. And uh, for us to worry about it uh, or to project, um, you know, it's really a waste of time at this point. It's so much more important that we figure out ways with shortened practices uh, to get better and better so that we're playing our best basketball uh, when the season matters the most and we get into March.
0: And coach, you guys have you guys have had some close ones in the last few weeks. And at this point of the season, where teams know each other really well, you you mentioned the shortened practices; bodies are getting a little tired. Just what are some of the things execution wise that need to be so sharp at this point of the season to separate teams in the wins and loss columns?
1: Well, I think that you know, for us, it's a matter of. Um, you know, being as good as we can be in the areas that we really hold dear. You know, we, we talk every day with our guys about execution on offense, um, you know, being very, very sharp with our set plays, uh, whether that's timing, whether that's screening, whether that's cutting, and basically trying to create the best shot we can, you know, for Louisville. On the defensive end, you know, it simply starts with guarding the ball. Uh, I don't care what scheme you do um, with ball screens. I don't care what what sc- screen, uh, scheme you do off-the-ball screening actions, uh, if you can't keep the basketball in front of you from the point guard all the way to the center, I don't think you're going to be very successful. So those two, t- two things are, are things that we drill, Kim, every single day in practice. You know, as time goes on and we get in the month of February and March, um, our practice time goes way down because we do want to keep our guys' bodies and, and their minds uh, as fresh as we possibly can make them.
0: Great. Um, and just to go off the court a little bit, something I recognized today that I never had in your Twitter, Twitter bio, it says you are a future Bass Masters champion. So can we just hear a little bit more about, uh, your background in fishing and and why do you think you have what it takes to be the best in the world?
1: Well, let's, let's, let's get this straight. I, I don't think I have what it takes. <laughs> um, I would love to, um, to get to that point. I just really enjoy fishing, and uh, I really always have. It, it started um, because of my grandfather, you know, my mom's dad years ago. My my dad couldn't stand to fish. No one in my immediate family liked to fish. So when we went on family vacations, uh, my grandfather would, uh, you know, wake me up, take me out um, to the lake, whether it was 6 a.m. or whether we were at the ocean, you know, we would find ourselves fishing and, and uh, just fell in love with it, and uh, ever since that time, you know, anytime I've had an opportunity in the offseason uh, to fish, um, I've found a pole and, and figured out a way to do so. And uh, I think I'll always enjoy fishing until I'm no longer here.
2: Chris, last year at the Final Four was talking with your coach, Pete Gillen. He was telling some great stories, some of which are not for air, but uh, he said that <laughs> you could be a thorn in people's sides uh, playing against me. He said you were tough as nails. What's your favorite Coach Gillen
1: story? Who my favorite Coach Gillen story. Um, wow, there were a lot of them. You know, some of Coach Gillen's pregame speeches uh, before we played were epic. You know, I, I remember uh, a few of the the themes would be he'd always talk about if there was a a robber that was coming into your house, you know, to tie your kids up, tie your wife up, take all your stuff. You know, how passionate would you be? Uh, how much would you want to, you know, basically kill the guy. And, and Coach would get all riled up and revved up and start sweating. And I just remember we would catch eyes with our teammates, like Coach is going off here and uh, he's going outside the rails a little bit. But it was uh, it was always enjoyable to play for Coach. And, and he taught me a lot about the sport and about competing and uh, really enjoyed my time with Coach Gillen when I played for him. It's awesome stuff. Before we let you go, What Skyline
2: Chili is to Cincinnati, you know it all too well being in Xavier for a long time, Uh, fill in the blank, what is to Louisville that you've come to love?
1: Well, I haven't come to love it yet, but uh, bourbon is is the deal here, John. Bourbon (laughs) is the deal, whether it's the bourbon trail, uh, you know, people keep trying to get me to try all these different types of bourbon and go on tasting, uh, bourbon tasting, uh, you know, rendezvous. Uh, I'm not there yet. You know, I'm a Miller Lite guy, but uh, maybe at some point my palate will uh, start to uh, enjoy bourbon, but not yet. Hey, I was born in Cleveland, too. Miller Lite's okay. There you go, man. (laughs) Chris Mack,
2: the head coach at Louisville, his Cardinals 21-3 and and take on Georgia Tech Wednesday night. Chris, thanks so much. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Chris Mack for tipping off the full core press as our first... Guest, That was some awesome stuff. And his Louisville Cardinals, Kim, are seventh in the NCAA Selection Committee's Top 16 reveal that came out this past weekend. You think about where the Cardinals are. They're at the top of the conference. And you've got Florida State and Duke, uh, who duked it out earlier this week, right behind. And I think Chris Mack would want nothing more than in the ACC Tournament semifinals than to see those two teams battle it out and have to grind grind it out as a 2-3 game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was definitely an interesting reveal. Um, as Coach hinted on, you know, it's more of a measuring stick for these teams at times, a motivating purpose. At the end of the day, right, John, it's a, it's a show that they put in to make more money, to get more advertisements, to get people like us, the media, talking. So I don't think teams and coaches are, are looking at this too seriously. Um, but I did think there were some, some interesting parts about it. I think those three ACC teams are really strong. Uh, I know Louisville and FSU are going to face off one more time. So I would think whoever ends up at the top of those three ACC teams could potentially slide up a bit. Duke is at five now, Louisville obviously at seven. Um, and then I think we need to talk Big Ten, who from the beginning of the season, everyone has said this is the most talented conference. It has the most talented teams. And then you only see two teams in there. You have Maryland at nine, Michigan State at 16, who right. since since the rankings came out, lost to Michigan. Um, so it's kind of Lord of the Flies. I don't know if you read that book in elementary school, John, or maybe middle school, but they're just. I watched the movie. Oh, yeah, I actually remember watching the movie. That was like a pretty negative, (laughs) scary movie to be watching in high school. But just the fact that, you know, the conference is so deep and everyone's beating each other and and the top teams have five or six or seven conference losses, is that going to hurt the conference overall come the final bracket in March?
2: Well, here's the thing. So financially – Units-wise, you get 11 teams in, potentially, and the Big Ten Conference will be swimming in it. That said, the cannibalization that we've been watching in this league, these teams, they're going to be worn down by the time March rolls around. And I think in leagues that we've seen this type of back-and-forth and the down-of-the-wire games and home teams having the level of success they've had. That's my concern in the Big Ten, is that we're not seeing teams win often away from their home building. And in the NCAA tournament, that's what it's going to take to win. Uh, here's the thing with Maryland. I think they've got a great point guard in Anthony Cowan, who's experienced, who checks off every box. You've got the size down low. Jalen Smith is a monster. So th- this Maryland team... They're pretty good defensively, they've got different weapons. But Kim, I think with what they've done the NCAA tournament, and I think it, it's you, you can't ignore the fact that Mark Turgeon has had struggles in March. And until he's able to overcome those, that's going to hang on his head. That's not to say he doesn't get credit when he succeeds, and right now this Maryland Terrapins team has proved that they're the best in the Big Ten, so it's a bit unfair to say, okay, they've had some troubles in March. You you can't say that and then ignore the fact that they have been the best team in the Big Ten and and act like that's not saying much. This is a league that's filled with a double-digit amount of teams that are heading to the NCAA tournament. But I I do get concerned with where the Big Ten is, Michigan State – they have not lived up to the expectations. And it, it does show you how hard it is to maintain a level throughout the entirety of the season. And the Spartans last year, they, they put it all together, went to the Final Four. It, it just wasn't enough. I, I think when we're looking at this sport right now, that look, the Big Ten is the deepest conference. And, and that's without question. But to say that there's not a great team, That, that's, that to me is an insult against Baylor. If Baylor right now ran out onto the court and put on and had Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky across their chest, we'd be talking about them in a different light. They've won 21 straight games. They're only allowing 58 points per game in the win over Texas earlier this week. Nobody scored more than 11 points in the win. They still got it done pretty comfortably by seven, which against Baylor, that's like, A 14 point deficit. Now Texas Texas may be struggling a little bit this year, but I just think that Baylor, a team that's won 21 in a row, I get the San Diego State argument that they that they play in a in a weaker conference. Baylor plays in the Big 12, and yeah, they went to Allen Fieldhouse and beat Kansas. They did the toughest thing to do in this conference. So to say that there's not a great team, I beg to differ. And and Scott Drew. We're going to find out more about this team in the next couple games. They face West Virginia. They've got a, a home game against Kansas as well coming up. But by the same token, it's time we show some respect to the Bears. It's an easy take to have, but it's one that's not being made enough because of the fact that they play down in Waco, Texas, and their name's Baylor, not Carolina, Kentucky, or Duke.
0: No, I think you're right, John. I think it's, as you sort of touched on, it's even more impressive to have the record they do in this season when we're seeing top teams in the conference have multiple losses uh, in the Big Ten. Maryland already has three losses, the second place, and that's in conference. And that's sure. In second place team, Penn State, four conference losses. Really, Louisville is one of the only teams at the top of their conference that, that just has the one loss. So I think in a year where people are losing left and right, you really can't overstate the consistency that that coach drew and his bears have had. I think they're defending at an incredibly high level, which I think is going to be really important this season, because how many of these top 25 matchups have we seen being played in the fifties and sixties? A lot of teams are struggling to score. Uh, So to me, when I'm looking at teams that are going to have success in March, who can really lock in on the, Defensive end, because of yeah. because a lot of these games have just been kind of slugfest, grinded out, low scoring. Um, who can really commit to that end? And Baylor is a team who has done that. And to have one loss, like you said, at this point of the season, haven't lost since November, is pretty remarkable.
2: Absolutely, uh, and we and we can't get done talking about the top six team reveal. With a major storyline, and, and one that's that's been in the air in college basketball, Kim, and we know this too well, is that since the Big East reconfigured to this 10-team league in 2013, they have not put three teams into the Sweet 16. Villanova's won two of the last four national championships, but the league hasn't really shown its depth in March in the second weekend. We've seen two teams from time to time, haven't seen three. Well, the Big East had three teams in the top sixteen reveal: Seton Hall, who's seventeen, uh, making eighteen and five; Villanova, who has struggled lately but still has the body of work that that belonged in that top sixteen, and and the third team out of those three is the team that impressed the most in the non conference. That started the season fifteen and one, and that's the Butler Bulldogs. And you just talked about having a really strong defense and having a player who can score and close because scoring's down this year. And the reason why Seton Hall and Butler, to me, are teams that can go deep and their resumes speak for themselves. We could talk about the Quadrant 1 and 2 wins all day long. Seton Hall's got Miles Powell. Butler's got Kamar Baldwin. When you simplify things and you talk about the way those two know how to close, it speaks for itself. If it's a close game down the stretch, (laughs) you're not going to bet against those teams with the fact that they've got kids who have done it their whole career and know how to win a game.
0: Absolutely, and you didn't even mention yet the third player in that category who would be Marcus Howard from Marquette. You look at those three schools, it's pretty unique in the Big East right now to have three senior guards who can score at the rate they can and impact the ending of games. And Marquette is a team who just entered the rankings on Monday at 18 and now that's five teams in the top 25 half of the conference Um, so you're right the Big East hasn't gotten those teams to the second weekend I think it's been disappointing for them in the last few seasons Um, I think there are still some question marks you mentioned how impressive Butler was in the non-conference well They've taken a slide in the past few weeks. Uh, how far can Kamar Baldwin carry them? I think I think the difference between Seton Hall and Butler and Marquette is Miles Powell has really had some supporting cast members develop. Uh, they have a bunch of different players who could score, while as Marquette and Butler, I've seen at times players not looking confident, looking to always get it to their star, and obviously they're going to be the primary focus of team defenses. So can they get that secondary scoring that I think Seton Hall has found? And that's why they're at the top of the Big East right now.
2: Let's look at some of the games earlier this week. There's a bunch of ranked versus ranked showdowns this week. But it started up on Monday night, big Monday. You've got Florida State at Cameron Indoor Stadium to take on Duke. Duke coming off the thrilling win over North Carolina. Just an epic game in the series. To think that that Carolina and Duke were... 50 a piece in the series history leading up to that game it just it speaks volumes about how great that rivalry is and there's nothing that can top it but for Duke Kim what we continually learn about the Blue Devils similar to what we were talking with Chris Mack about they use their 11th different starting lineup this season Trey Jones, Cassius Stanley, Wendell Moore Jr., Vernon Carey, Jordan Goldwire. Jordan Goldwire back for the Blue Devils in the starting lineup, and he delivered. He was 5-5 of from the field into double figures. What I love most about Duke Kim that that we saw here, you've got a great backcourt defensively in Jones and Goldwire. They're going to lock you down. They're going to make you work for everything you get. And Oh, by the way, you've got Vernon Carey, who's basically averaging a double-double and the fact that you can feed a monster down there, I think this Duke team is more versatile than last year's. I I thought last year's fell into some hero ball with Zion Williamson and and R.J. Barrett. And and look, when you've got those two players, I get it. But what we're seeing from this Duke team, 11 different starting lineups, that speaks for itself on the road to March.
0: Right, and you mentioned there at the end the defensive ability of their guards, and and that's what I thought... The ending of last night's game really boiled down to Duke completely took away the interior for Florida State they forced them to shoot from the outside they they could hardly get into the paint off the dribble they couldn't get it to their big men and that was the end of the game because Florida State shot three of 18 from three and Duke completely dictated the end of that game on the defensive end and then I thought they just had some some big-time gritty hustle plays at the end. They had a couple offensive rebounds. And you mentioned the guard play, not only strong defensively, but they have guards who have the ability to blow by you off the dribble at any point and get to the rim. So those were the two things that really stood out to me at the end of the game. Duke did have 21 turnovers, which is hard to think you can win a game. But really, at the end of the day, it came down to the shooting. Florida State just three from deep, and Duke – counteracted that twenty one turnovers with making seven threes, but their their uh commitment to defense at the end of the game was what really stood out to me, John.
2: Speaking of defense, how about South Carolina? Don Staley's group. They end their Yukon hex. They were 0-8 against the Huskies. Kim, an 18-point win for the Gamecocks at home against Yukon. And it, it's time to really address in women's basketball, the general fan might think, oh, it's UConn's to lose. What we're seeing right now is that that's that's not true. And and if you didn't know that from the past couple of Final Fours, you definitely do now because we have not seen the Huskies struggle like this in the regular season. And last night, as we do this podcast on Tuesday, South Carolina really put on – a show defensively holding the Huskies just 52 points. How about this? Two points for UConn in the first quarter. What did you make of the Gamecocks' performance?
0: Yeah, I mean the two points at the end of the first quarter was pretty hard to fathom. I mean it was a it was an ugly first quarter for both teams. the The final score at the end of that one was 11 to two. But to think that a a Gina Oriemma coached Huskies teams would have two points at the end of a quarter is really hard to believe. And I I think, first of all, you have to mention what a tremendous atmosphere it was sold out arena, 18,000 fans, the most, the highly, most highly attended game in women's college basketball this season. So that I think is a great sign in in growing the women's game and the culture and the excitement level that Don Staley has built down there. Um, But yeah, I mean, South Carolina, they have all the pieces. They have some impressive upperclassmen. They have Harris running the point, who has just been so steady. And I know she's had been overlooked a little bit, now starting to be looked at as a a first-rounder in the WNBA draft. Um, And then they have some talented freshmen who Coach Daly has spoken very highly of, that they are just fighters. You see the big girl, Boston, down low. She was really able to make her presence known. Um, And it's just an interesting time in women's basketball. This was the first time that UConn has lost three games by 15 or more points since 1992-1993 season. So I think it's two things. I do think the level of talent, the level of depth on this UConn team is down this year, but there's also no doubt about it that teams are getting better, recruits are starting to be more spread out, in terms of where they're going um and this south carolina team is showing that i think they're the best right now we have oregon obviously um but this is a a non-typical uconn team this year john
2: well we're keeping an eye on all things in college basketball men's and women's hard to believe it folks 32 days away from selection sunday Is running down. Time to send the fans home happy with a buzzer beater. That's right, it's time for buzzer beaters. What is buzzer beaters on Full Core Press with Fans and Adams? Well, every week we're gonna give you at the end of the show a tip, a story, something in our travels as Kim and I are rolling across the country covering this great sport. But throughout that, there's some journeys and some adventures. To tip off with our first buzzer beater, I hand it over to Kim Adams.
0: Thank you, John. Well, the two of us were both in Indianapolis, Indiana this weekend. We were at historic Hinkle House for a game. Yes. First of all, I have to give props to the Indianapolis airport. I think that is hands down the best airport in America. It's beautiful. It's clean. Doesn't seem too crowded. They had great food options. I was able to get some Chick-fil-A chicken biscuits (laughs) before I boarded my early morning flight yesterday, but that wasn't the only food I had in Indy. I basically ate my way through the state this weekend. So I wanted to give our listeners just a couple of recommendations. I did hit one spot on my first night there called Condado's Tacos. Mm. And that was on Mass Avenue, as I'm told the, the locals call it, Mass Avenue, a big strip of restaurants and and nightly bars and a lot going on there. But I was taken by a friend, Jenny, to Condado's Tacos. If you like tacos, this was a place to go. You could create your own taco, different shells, different toppings, different meat choices, different sauces, pretty much anything you wanted. They also had great guacamole. They had queso. I like the sound of this. One that I didn't try that I would probably try next time, they had buffalo chicken dip queso.
2: Holy cow. Kim, I'm taking notes right now.
0: You should be. But I I took some notes from you as well because just when I thought I had seen it all, you showed me the magic of Harry and Izzy's the next night, which is a, (laughs) I guess, a steakhouse in downtown Indianapolis. John and I had a great meal there. It's an experience. Uh, We started with (laughs) the famous shrimp cocktail, which, to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of, but that's not really my thing. We had some uh, fried ravioli with bolognese sauce uh, as our appetizer. Then we each got a steak. We had some sides, potatoes, a little, a little red wine. We basically covered it all, and, of course, we had to sample the dessert, which was a uh, warm brownie with ice cream and whipped cream. So I I had a great weekend of eating Condado's Tacos and Harry and Izzy's. Thank you for putting me on, John.
2: Harry and Izzy's is an experience unlike any other. And it's right next to St. Elmo's. Uh, Same owners. I mean, just if you're in Indy, you got to go. And Harry and Izzy's had this steak, the New York Strip, which they put special in, in peppercorn. If you like pepper. It is your kind of steak, and we had the potato pancakes and the cream. Sp- I, mean, I mean, Kim, I was in a food coma. You, when the dessert came out, it was like I have no room left, but I was in such a coma that it was just like, you know what, the cherry on top of what was a high-level weekend that was capped off by a trip to the Slippery Noodle.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that with part. With some jazz. John, John is apparently an expert in Indianapolis. All of a sudden, we – were at a, a lounge or a bar that had live blues music, which was great for the first 20 minutes. And then they decided to take a 30 minute break. So as yes. you know, someone from New York, I like to keep things moving and we were exhausted by that point. So unfortunately we had to head out because 30 minute break seems a little excessive, but it was good while it lasted.
2: Yes. Well, the jazz band was outstanding. But uh, just to just to add before we before the buzzer goes off here, there's a couple at the front, you know, not the back of the room that just talked, talked their ears off and to a point that you could hear them over the music. And so I think that that caused the group to take a big break.
0: Yeah, I thought that was rude. If you're going to speak at that high of a level, you should put yourselves in the back. Because we really had a heart. if I were the band, I would have been, I would have been livid. I probably would have asked them to relocate. Um, So kudos to the band for having to put up with that. But I was, I wanted to hear more so that I was a little upset by the 30 minute break, but at least we got a taste of it.
2: Absolutely. And you know what? Went back to the hotel, made it just in time to see. Joaquin Phoenix and Renee Zellweger win the uh, Oscars. And then Parasite. Kim, now i got to watch. I've never watched a foreign language film. I'm going to be watching the picture of the year at some point here.
0: I watched the Netflix on cheer finale uh, when I got back. I'm not going to say what happened because I know there are probably a lot of avid watchers out there. I'm not going to spoil it. But if you haven't <laughs> watched Netflix on cheer, and I'm a basketball player, you know, was never – a. You know, cheerleaders are, they are what they are. I have a newfound respect for cheerleaders after watching that documentary. 10 out of 10 recommend.
2: Wow. For a first buzzer beater and for a first full court press, what a show. I mean, we, we gave you the Indy Tour guy. We gave you Chris Mack. Thanks to Coach Mack as well. What a What a way to kick things off here. As we close it down here, Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams, episode number one in the books. Thanks again to Coach Chris Mack of Louisville for spending some time with us Cardinals taking on Georgia Tech tonight. Of course, we wish him well as March Madness approaches. Thanks also to our producer Mike Lieber as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Ben Wolfen edits the show, and we always appreciate his contributions. And you can please check out other pure hoops media shows
0: catch and shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto strong drops each Wednesday, each Thursday, our friend Monica McNutt drops by with buckets, boards and blocks and Fridays. It's the pure hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike wide show drops each Monday and John and I will be back every Tuesday with full court press. Please check out all of our shows, download them, rate and review them. But most of all, enjoy. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.